What's going on everyone and welcome to the Hope Collective Online. My name is Robin and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us here this morning. If this is your very first time, we're so glad you decided to spend some time with us here today. In fact, to celebrate, we want to make a donation in your honor to one of our Community Hope Partners. Just follow the instructions on screen or in the chat to choose which of our partners you'd like your donation to go to. So thank you so much for being here. As our guests are helping us give generously, we wanted to say thanks to those who give on a regular basis to the Hope Collective. Your generosity is so much more than just keeping our lights on or the live stream going. It's what helps us continue be a center of hope in our community. So thank you for living like generosity is our norm so we can share hope together. Well, the Christmas Eve service countdown is on and we can't wait to gather with all of you in the next couple of weeks. But we need your help. As we prepare for Christmas Eve services, we are looking to fill several key volunteer roles. If you'd like to be a part of our welcoming, ushering, or simply helping us keep our facility sanitized between services, just text HOPECOSERVE to 97000 and you'll get a text with all the information to serve this Christmas season. And let me say thank you in advance for helping us create the best environment for everyone this Christmas season. Coming up next, we have a special Christmas song from Alex and then our lead pastor Dave continues our series, Remember Christmas. So once again, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful morning.
Good morning, everybody. I want to take this opportunity to welcome you to the Hope Collective online experience, and it is Christmas time. So much of this season is full of so many opportunities for us to think about Jesus and remember Jesus. And when we think of this song, what child is this? This child is Christmas. And so as we continue our series of Remember Christmas and we lean into this Advent season, this time of, of waiting and anticipating, we have many of us the wreath that has the four candles that represents the things that this Christmas will remind us of for years to come, the, the hope and the peace and the love and the joy of Jesus. We get to talk about that over these next few weeks. Hope last week, this week we're gonna talk about peace. Next week, Natalie's gonna be sharing about love and then in our Christmas services, we get to process joy. The joy that Christmas brings to our lives, preparing our hearts for his coming daily into our lives and ultimately once and for all. Remember hope, remember peace, remember love, remember joy. Today we're talking about remember peace. Boy, what, what a significant truth about what God brings to our hearts to contemplate in the season we find ourselves in. And, and it's not just any peace. It's Jesus' peace. Matter of fact, John 14, 27, Jesus says to us, to his disciples, to those who follow him today, my peace I give you, my peace I leave you. We need the peace that Jesus brings. Peace is a covenant word that at its Hebrew core means nothing broken, nothing missing. We say often that when God looks at us, he doesn't see what's wrong with us, but what's missing. Peace is about God flooding our lives with all that is missing. It's about healing all of those places that are broken. And then we become people who bring the healing of Jesus to other. Broken people break people, but healed people bring healing. Free people, free people. It's what God is doing through peace. It's shalom. It indicates a total fulfillment that comes when individuals experience Yahweh's presence, the presence of God, restoration that he gives us when we make a decision to believe, to follow him. And only upon reliance of Yahweh can we know his peace, which will bring about incredible victory over every one of our enemies, everything that would be sent against us, that has come against us, that the enemy would use against us. Nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness, harmony, reconciliation. It's the promise of God to make all things new. And he starts in his relationship with us and his relationship to his people and to this world. Matter of fact, um, I had an opportunity last week to go visit a community group. I loved my time with the community group I got to visit and they showed the Bible Project's videos around Advent. I wanna encourage you, if you get a chance to go look up the Bible Project Advent and listen to their short videos on peace and hope and love and joy, powerful. As we continue to understand what we have in Jesus and we're reminded of this season, I want to, if we can together, read out of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Very familiar at Christmas time, the story of Jesus' birth. At that time, in chapter 2 of Luke, verse 1, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in snugly, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. 
That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. and The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. We're gonna talk about great, that great joy during our Christmas services. Verse 11, the Savior, Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Can you imagine this sight? The armies of heaven praising God and saying, and hear this, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. God, I just pray that this peace that God has for us would just become so clear to us that it's a gift that you give us. And I pray that it would be one we would experience, not any counterfeit of peace, but real peace that comes through Jesus in your name. Amen. Some of the most familiar and happy words of Christmas are these words from Luke chapter 2 that we just read. We go back to verse 11. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. I love this part. Like this part required more than just one angel. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other armies of heaven. Praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven. Peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. As we process the peace that comes this Christmas, I want to focus on verse 14. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angel had announced this news to the shepherds that we see in verse 11 and pointed them to the very place that the baby lay, suddenly this army of angels appear in the sky. Evidently, one angel couldn't bring this kind of news. What these angels would proclaim demands an army of angels. I mean, just, just imagine that. This is really good, and one angel could do it, but we're going to send an army of angels. Verse 13, suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts, this army praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. The joyful news that on a day, a specific day, at the perfect fullness of the moment in time, in the perfect prophesied city of Bethlehem, a Savior was born who is Christ the Lord. This was planned. This was for us. That news has two really good outcomes Two incredible purposes for our lives. One, glory to God in highest heaven. And two, peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. The child coming into the world will be the greatest revelation. And I want you to hear this of the glory of God. Even in the highest heaven, this will be the greatest illustration, example of the glory of God. And this child coming into the world will bring peace to God's people. And God knows we need it. Who will fill the whole earth with righteousness and peace. Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. First and most important, God is glorified because Jesus is born. I want you to hear this. The most important thing that we understand is that God is glorified at the birth of Christ. And second, peace is to spread everywhere that Jesus is received. Peace is to spread everywhere where Jesus is received. So if you want to know what's behind Jesus coming, it's this glory ever being proclaimed from man to God and this peace ever being sent from God to man. 
That's what Christmas is all about. There's hardly a better way to sum up what God was about when he created the world or when he came to reclaim the world in Jesus. His glory, our peace. His glory, he is God. And our peace, we are his kids. His greatness, our joy. His beauty, our pleasure. Gosh, if there's ever a heart, that, a way to describe God's heart, it's that. His glory, our peace. His greatness, our joy. His beauty, our pleasure. The point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious and means or desires to be known and praised for His glory by a peace-filled people. And in some of the older translations, this verse reads... And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Matter of fact, most modern translations agree that this is not an accurate translation of what's actually being said. We see in the NIV, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Or in the New American Standard Bible, on earth, peace among men whom he is pleased. The ESV says, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The point is that even though God's offer of peace goes out to everyone, and it does, that only his people, the people who receive Christ, who accept Jesus, who desire to follow him because he is who he says he is, and trust him as Savior and Messiah and Lord, will experience, and I want you to get this, the peace that he brings. You get a glimpse of what this means in Luke chapter 10, 5 and 6. Jesus says to his disciples, whatever house you enter, first say, peace in this house. That's the offer of peace to all. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. See, God's peace in Jesus is offered to the world. That is so true. For God isn't willing that any should perish. For God loves the world so much he sends Jesus that anyone... And I think we have to understand that. God's peace in Jesus is offered to the world, but not everyone will receive it. How do you know if you're part of the angel's promise that says, peace among those with whom he is pleased? How do you know? Here's the answer. And I want to encourage our hearts with this today. You welcome the peacemaker into your life to lead your life. You welcome Jesus. You receive Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And you follow Him with everything that you have. And the promise of peace is yours. Jesus brings that peace to God's people. And there are three relationships in which He wants you to pursue and experience and have this peace and enjoy this peace. It is peace with God. It is peace with your own heart and your own soul. It is peace with other people as much as it depends on you. We see that in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. And by peace, I'm not only talking about the absence of conflict and animosity, but the presence of this joy-filled life and as much richness of this relationship that we can have with each other as you are capable of. This interacting with one another in a way that honors God and honors each other. The main point of peace, and I want you to remember this about peace as we say, remember Christmas, remember peace. God's purpose is to give you peace by being the most precious, the most deared, the most loved, the most glorious person in your life. Five times in the New Testament, he is called the God of peace. And Jesus said, my peace I give you in John 14. And Paul said, Jesus himself is our peace. Ephesians 2.14, the world can't give you peace. You can't go find it outside of God. You actually can only find real peace and true peace in God. This simply means the peace of God or the peace of Jesus can never be separated from God and Jesus. If we want peace to rule in our lives, then God has to rule in our lives. That's a full surrender, not because I have to, but because I want to, because there is nothing else in this world that I pull in and put my trust and hope in that will give me peace except for God. And so the only way for peace to rule is for God to rule. 
to be Lord. Christ must rule in our lives. God's plan and purpose is not to give you peace separate from himself. His purpose is to give you peace by being the most precious, loved, endeared, glorious person in your life that you wake up to just be with him. In every relationship with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with your neighbors, with your community, with the stranger on the street, with the one you agree with and the ones you don't, is to be at peace. So the key to peace is keeping together what the angels keep together in the very announcement of Christ's birth. Glory to God and peace to man. Those two cannot be separated. And an army of angels showed up to let us know. A heart bent, determined to show the glory of God will know the peace of God. And what holds the two together? If they're supposed to stay together, God getting glory and us getting peace is believing or trusting the promises of God that Jesus brings and fulfills because he is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he's going to do. Romans 15, 13 is one of those texts that points us to the incredible role of faith. And I want you to hear this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing in believing. In other words, the way God's promises become real for us and produce peace in us and through us is in believing. When we believe them, it's, it, it goes back to hope. It's all so connected. It's this confident expectation of a, of a better tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. Church, when we read his word and he says he's going to do something, then he does it. And if it's a promise that he's given us, then it's going to happen. And we believe that. And because we believe that, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's being shaken. It doesn't matter what's happening. I have this peace because I believe when we believe them. That's true whether we're talking about peace with God or peace with ourselves or peace with others. Let me break that down for you really quick if I can. And there's so much to talk about when it comes to peace. But I want us to just take and reflect this, this nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. Peace. When it comes to peace with God, it is the most basic need that we have. If we don't go here first, all other experiences of peace will be superficial. Real peace only comes through Jesus. We're not going to find it in anything that this world offers, any relationship this world offers, any experience this world offers. We won't find peace in what someone will say or this person will do or this thinking or thought. No, it's only in what God has said and who God is that we will find peace. It's the most basic we need, need that we have is to trust God, that he's got you because he is God through Jesus, because of what Jesus came and did, because we believe in Jesus, we can trust it. Peace with God. Then we have peace with ourselves where we have the promises and glorifying God in our lives. No matter what trauma has come, no matter what pain, no matter what sin, no matter what's been said, no matter what lies we believe, all of those things are designed and built into our lives by the enemy to keep us from freedom, which keeps us from peace. And God is saying, let's start with this understanding that he will be glorified. He is God. And because he is God, these promises are true. And so I begin to stand on the promises of who God is and what he says about me that will begin to bring freedom from my trauma, freedom from my sin, freedom from my pain, freedom from my lies. And that brings peace. The reason so many of us have this inner turmoil in our hearts and souls is because we have this inner battle that we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to win on our behalf. And so the church is sent to confess our sins and our lives to one another so we can pray for each other and be healed. And that's what God is wanting to do, is bring peace to your heart and your soul. And then lastly, peace with others. It's the one we have the least control over. As far as it depends on you, Romans 12, 18 says, live at peace with one another. Christmas highlights for many of us painful relationships. Some of it's new pain, some of it's old pain. 
And yet God is saying, I can bring peace to those relationships as far as it depends upon you. Don't be a peacekeeper, but be a peacemaker. See, if we've experienced the peace of Jesus, who is the peacemaker, then we ourselves become peacemakers of others. As far as it depends upon us, we are going to live at peace. How do you recognize it? There's lots of counterfeits of peace out of there. How do I know if I'm living in God's peace when it comes to my relationship with him, my relationship to who I am, my relationship to others? Who's at the center of the glory in your life? Who are you longing to get the glory? You become a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper when Jesus shows up so that God gets the glory. Romans 12, 18, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. See, in this Christmas season, God offers us shalom. This nothing missing, nothing broken. Jesus healed that in our relationship with God. He did the work. It's through Christ. We aren't saved through works. We're saved by faith. And then he offers his healing power and his freedom in our own lives so that we can live at peace. And then he calls us as we experience that freedom to free others, to live at peace with others, to champion the hearts of others. I want you to listen to a story of a friend of mine named Terrence Wallace who has a ministry called Endzone and how God is using him to be a peacemaker in this world and how he's partnering us together to accomplish reconciliation, which is the outcome of great peace. Terrence is, I think about peace and we are in this Advent season where we're remembering Christmas, remembering peace. I think of this idea that shalom is nothing broken, nothing missing. It's this wholeness, it's re reconciliation. And it's about receiving the peacemaker of all peacemakers, which is Jesus. And there are peacekeepers in the world and peacemakers. And I, when I think about you and what God is doing in your life and through your life, you are a peacemaker. Like at the core is reconciliation. Just tell us real quickly a little bit about Terrence Wallace. Like, who are you? So I'm an, I'm an only child to my mom. Yep. And um, I grew up in Chicago on the west side in the Austin community. And I had the privilege um, for my mom to be sent to school outside of my school zone and uh, to a school called Durskin Elementary, okay. which gave me uh, the ability to coexist with other ethnicities and to see the value of that. And so um, it led to me, I, I would say, it positioned me to be used by God later on in life, kind of what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah which I can't wait to get to, but you're, um, I believe at, at when all of this kind of started um, coming together, you're on staff at a church, you're kind of in that, um, I, we say comfortable, comfort's relative, but just in that place of living what you believe God was calling you to, and God kind of steps in and asks you to do something extreme, and you obey. Can you tell us about that journey? Absolutely. So many of us on our journey of faith in Christianity, we look for the calling of God or our purpose to fulfill sure. that. And I had that moment of, of the reckoning when God speaks and says, this is what I want you to do. Oftentimes we, we, we say, I'll do anything God tells yeah. me to do. But when it comes down to it, we, we fear and we turn the other way. In my case, I decided to obey God and I followed through with what he had assigned me to do. And that was to go to New Zealand. And I dropped everything um, that I was doing here. So God says, go to New Zealand. And you said, okay, on my way. Yeah, four weeks later, four weeks later, kid you not, I was on an airplane, leased my house out, and I flew to New Zealand. And I did not know what I was going to be doing while I was there. I had not identified myself a job. Thank God I had my own business here in um, the U.S. that I could run from New Zealand. But after four or five weeks of being there, I prayed and said, God, you know, what am I doing here? New Zealand is a paradise. And I did not think that New Zealand had any challenges with, mm. with regards to my calling, I should say. And as I'm there, I saw a news story, saw the equivalent of African-American and Hispanic people back here in America, and decided I wanted to do something about it. And these were the native people? These were the native people. Yeah, Maori and Pacific Island people. Okay. Um, and. God gave me a blueprint, and I say it's downloaded from heaven. Um, I traveled across the country seven days out of each month for about six months, and I began to assess what the challenges were and saw the difference between the have and the have-nots. Mm. 
And oftentimes as, as people, humans and believers, we see things and we say, oh, well, that's, that's terrible, but we decide to do nothing about it. In my instance, God wouldn't allow my spirit to rest until I was obedient to what he was telling me to do. Can we just pray that that becomes true of all of us? Amen. Amen. That we just would that have that kind of tension and obedience. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. You can, and, and as God speaks, you begin to walk. Like it's one thing to, to, to say, okay, God, yeah, I'll fly to New Zealand and I'll, I'll, I'll be obedient. Yeah. But then to get out the boat and begin to walk on the water is a whole nother thing. And as God began me to bid me to walk on the water to fulfill, to be the solution that this group of people needed, um, it was fearful. I'm not gonna lie. It was fearful at times, but there was just something inside of me that would not allow me to turn back. Right. And as I continued, so basically uh, the Maori and Pacific Island people were underachieving in education. That was a new story. Um, making up the majority of the prisons, um, dropouts, violence, domestic violence, um, different things like that within urban settings within New Zealand. Now where I landed in Auckland in the Parnell Epsom community, beautiful paradise, the affluent area, top schools, totally different than when I drove out to some of the remote communities and parvished areas where they didn't have plumbing for toilets and things. It was totally different. But yet this country on the outskirts looked very prosperous. Right. And sounds very familiar. It sounds very familiar. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, you know, God, what would you want me to do here? And that's when I came up with my theory of change is that kids and families, um, they live in these settings, right? Mm -hmm. Educators, all school districts that are public virtually offer the same kind of education, mm -hmm. same curriculum. However, kids who live in urban settings face different challenges, right? There's a sense of no hope, there's, there's violence, there's drugs, there's lack of resources, there's poverty, and there's generational cycles of crime. Different from your urban affluent communities, yep. their challenges are different, not to say that they don't have challenges, but very different. different. Yeah. And so educators who are taught to deliver a curriculum um, are now faced with delivering social services of which they're not qualified to do. Kids then fall further and further behind and that generational cycle begins all over again and the streets grab them and so it's a repetitive process and your prisons are constantly being funded with taxpayer dollars more than what it would cost if you would just do something proactive to protect in them the from beginning. in the beginning from going into that direction all while the church is sitting on the sidelines saying that's terrible and then God says Terrence I want you to come here you don't speak the, I didn't speak the language. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about this group of people. And then the Lord allowed me to learn the, learn the language. Wow. Go around the, go around the country to speak about um, what it is that God had called me there to do. I did not leave God out of it. In a country that's very conservative about Christianity, their faith, although it's founded upon that, um, we're mm -hmm. not at all interested in that, but I didn't leave that behind. So with end zone, so basically the name became end zone because people think probably the NFL. No, right, not end zone. <laughs> right. Um, basically, if you didn't live in the school zone, you were not allowed to go to the school. Most people understand that. Well, the housing to live in the school zone was two million dollars, base. Right. Right. God allowed me to take legal guardianship of all these kids, move them into a house inside the zone, and give them access to this particular educational system. Not only did it give them access to the education, but it gave them access to networks, experiences that they would not otherwise have access to. Can you imagine an ur a kid from an urban setting where there's poverty, where you're lucky your first job is mostly McDonald's or something, right? Yep. Not to say that that's a bad thing, right, however, sure. but it's, they, they end up being in that McDonald's serving um, uh, burgers or something for the rest of their life. Yep. In this new system, they are now doing internships at law firms, at companies, corporate companies. Major difference from the time they first enter high school, major difference. Some first in their families to complete um, high school and or going to university. So Enzone is a complete wraparound support for them. Now, taking minority kids, bringing them over into this community, yep. into the school, there is some racial tension. Yeah. 
So there were a number of people who, who disagreed with me doing this. I was the most hated person probably in New Zealand. Nothing's ever easy. Nothing's easy. <laughs> right. But you can't turn back. No. Because you have to be a solution for this group of people that God is trying to move with. Now, initially, I will say my first tug at my heart was this group of young people who were disadvantaged in their families. Mm -hmm. But what got birthed out of it was racial reconciliation. Explain that, because that's true. I've heard yeah. your stories, and so. so... So basically, people often say, change, know that change is needed, right? They right. can see that there's challenges, there's problems. We hear about it all the time. But you can never have change if no, one, no, no one's present. So as long as we remain in our silos and isolated from each other and we all exist in our own worlds, we just know, we only know what we know. Yes. But when we come together, we can see the pain that has been inflicted upon a group of people. And when that happened with, through sports, through activities, through um, different gatherings, people came together. So the parents of the kids got to come together with yes. the parents of other kids. Yes. Oftentimes, it's not the kids who have these challenges, it's right. the parents. That's true. And so when the parents came together, those walls began to fall down. Wow. And suddenly, I saw right before my eyes, parents from my, say for instance, my kid's side who had been on government benefit, right? Mm -hmm. For generations, suddenly began to come off because now they, had saw, they saw something different. They saw opportunity, they saw hope. And at the center of all of this was Christ. Mm. And Christ came through my kids. They will stand and talk about the goodness of the Lord. I didn't have to speak on their behalf. They spoke for themselves. Because in this house where they live for four years, they commit to be in this, right? Yes. For the long haul. For the long haul. You're the guardian of these yeah. kids that come in. Yeah. They're getting um, the Bible mm. raised with godly character, yep. making wise choices. Mm. I mean, so Christ is the center from the start. From the start, from the start. Yeah. And not, not only that, but it's, it's God, I, I feel like God used me to bring a complete community wraparound support to our house. Even as, a, even as a, the, the person that God used to birth it, it can't live with just me. Right. It has to be people coming together. And for me, the greatest opportunity that lies ahead for my kids is every individual of every ethnicity that comes into our house from every um, sort of career background that comes in, it adds value to the longevity of their life and the successfulness of their life as I open up our house for them to come and be a part of it. Because that's the world we live in. That's the world that we live in, yeah. So. You're, you're in New Zealand. How long were you in New Zealand for? Um, before I came home, it was about seven and a half years. Yeah. And so you had, I mean, some miraculous things I'd love to get into, and maybe mm. we can do a longer segment mm. here at some point. Yeah. Um, but how many kids ended up passing or have passed through the program since you started it? Over 200. Over 200. Yeah. Terrence, I remember when you showed me a video of you yeah. leaving New Zealand to come home, and I want to ask you about that in yeah. a second. And the kids all showed up at the airport to say goodbye. It was emotional. Very emotional, yes. Because you're like you're like a dad. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm blown away by the transformation, mm. not just the racial reconciliation, mm. but the reconciliation of their own lives to Christ yes. and relationship with each other. Mm. God calls you to leave New Zealand mm -hmm. and come home. Can you tell us about why mm -hmm. and what's been going on? Because we got to meet a couple years ago and, yes. and uh, kind of in the beginning of this whole process. And Absolutely. it's been amazing to see how God has been miraculously moving through this. Absolutely. So uh, the, the transitioning back to the U.S. and back to my hometown, Chicago, um, my kids in New Zealand were coming home doing school reports or essays on the violence that exists in Chicago. Wow. And I was having to be the one to help them with those assignments. And each year, the next group was writing an assignment. It just kept going on and on. And so when we came back home and I saw s sort of a different Chicago than when I first left, mm -hmm. and I saw kids who didn't have hope, I saw the violence that exists, I saw buildings that were boarded up and or uh, had X's on them to be knocked down. I saw hollowed out schools that had shut down in local communities. And so God said, it's time to come home. 
And it was devastating to me. Now, I, I promised God I would be obedient. Right. Yeah. But I had gone there, you had me establish this family. Now I have all these kids and they're depending on me and now I have to come home. And it's transformed New Zealand. And it's transformed New Zealand into the point where the prime minister is asking me to replicate across the country. Jeez. And so now I have to come home. Yeah. It's the first time in my life that I'm debt free, right? <laughs> Other than being a kid. Right. I, it's like my promised land. Wow. And the true test of obedience is after, you've after you feel like you've completed what God has required of you and you're living in the promised land, mm. will you give up the promised land to fulfill, continue fulfilling the calling of your life? And I had to come to that place of reckoning. Yeah, we could spend hours on that, but wow. Yep. It's, it's the equivalent for me, and I was almost got emotional. It's the equivalent of me for a pastor who's been called to pastor a church, start a church, grow the church, and suddenly God says, okay, give it up. It's a test of your heart. Mm -hmm. And while people now are coping with COVID and the things that you've had to let go of, God is always at the center of everything that happens in our life. Yeah. And so I had to give that up and I returned back home and God, and God says, okay, I want you to replicate here. At a time where our country is under racial tension, yeah. young um, black guys are being gunned down by police officers. And I'm thinking now, God, you're telling me to take the young black and brown kid, bring them into to a suburb at a time like this. Yeah. My community is against me because they think our kids are gonna get killed. Then the communities that I'm going into are worried about what kind of kids are you bringing into the community. And so there's all of this chaos and yeah. anger and resentment and, and just division. And God says, keep going. Jesus is truly the peacemaker. Amen. If we have the resilience being called by God um, and following his, his lead, regardless of what people are doing and saying, God said to me through this process, as I'm coming, coming back home and, 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 and trying to get kids in and trying to move into community, he says, you're to be a bridge for racial reconciliation. The bridge gets walked on, gets stumped on, gets spit on, but it never changes its posture. So should you be. Mm. So in the transition, yes, it was difficult, it was hard, but let me tell you, there are some amazing people, like those who probably will be hearing this video, who have a calling, and I'm not just saying a desire, but a calling to be a part of the change that Christ is calling for, not just what yeah. the, the world is calling for, but what Christ has called it's scriptural. For. It's scriptural, yes. Reconciliation of all sorts and yeah. all types, mm. especially when we talk about racial reconciliation. Mm. And here's what's, what's amazing is there's a lot of talk, mm -hmm. but mm. there's not a lot of action. Yeah. And what I love about you and what you're mm. doing is the action that you're taking is actually transforming. Mm -hmm. It's transforming culture, it's transforming young men, mm -hmm. it's transforming people mm -hmm. because Christ is at the center. Yeah. So what's been able to happen now? Where, mm -hmm. are you, where are you at in this process? This was a couple of years ago yeah. and um, I, there's so much I want people to know about you and your story and, and yeah. we'll get to do that. But right now, like, what, are you, what have you been experiencing lately with the home and the yes. boys? And So we finally moved into the home, um, September 1st. Um, and what we're experiencing now is, is the love of a community when it comes together. So this home is in Barrington. It's Somebody in, gave it to you. Yeah, so. Blessed you with it. Right, I would say they gave it to it because we still were still responsible to buy it. Right. But someone was kind to us. That's a good way who, to say who, who, in my opinion, God touched his heart. And so it, it made it, it made it, a situation that was unattainable, attainable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray that give it to you. Amen. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Just Amen. give it. But, Amen. but incredible opportunity yeah. right in the middle of Barrington. Bar yeah, in, Bar in Barrington Hills. And so the house is massive. I mean, it's 12,000 square feet, mm -hmm. um, 20 acres, 28 acres of land, perfect for what, what God has called us to do within the end zone project. Now, the neighbors have been phenomenal. Wow. Um, uh, because you guys just moved in recently and there's 10 young men, so right? There's 10 young men there now. The, the goal is um, to bring, so that's 10 high schoolers and then another five middle schoolers that will come into 2021. And eventually the goal is to build another house on the land to bring in 10 more. So a total of 25 we hope to, to cater to there. But the bigger vision of Endzone is to uh, find people who have been called to do this work. 
You may not take 10. People like you and us, to, right, you people, and me. Exactly, you know, so you may not take that many kids. However, you may say, okay, well, I can, I can look at the three kids, live out the end zone model, get trained by Terrence and, and the team and, 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 and we expand. If we could impact the lives of thousands of kids across our country, we, get, we then begin to break the cycle. Yep. It's the reversal of putting them in prison or juvenile centers or sending them to mental institutions, you name it. It's a, it's a Christ-centered a Christ way to transform lives. Many of us, when we accepted Christ, we remember the moment where we were zealous and our life was completely changed forever. Yep. When we do this for a group of kids who live in darkness daily and who are, trauma, who, who are traumatized, traumatizing the experience, and we bring them out to give them a transformational experience led by Christ, then we will see rapid change across our country and, and across our nation. And you've seen it just in the neighbors, how the neighbors have come around you guys. And, Absolutely. And the church community. And, yes. And the change in those young men's lives. Yes. Absolutely. As, as a result. And the, the, like, we've got mm. to sit at a table and talk about how those different ways that mm. God is changing their life. Again, I, I mm. wish we could invest a little bit longer. We will. Mm -hmm. I want to commit to that. Mm. Um, how, can, how can the church, the people that are listening right now, mm. when you think of what you want to see happen, you talked about having homes all over the U.S. where mm. we're opening our homes to be able to provide this kind of an opportunity. Mm. What do you need from us? Number one, thank you for that, that question. Mm. Number one, I would say um, prayer is number one, yeah. right? because I believe that prayer changes things. Everything that we do happens in prayer. Yeah, because the enemy's working against you. Yes. You have stories to tell yes. about how that's true. Yes, yep. and, and where you've heard me talk about the great things, there's always, this oft, there's always a battle. However, I think that prayer is number one. I think lifting our story, telling people, spreading the word, creating opportunities for us to tell our story um, and, and, and to meet our boys. Volunteering is, is, is great. And then of course, not the number one thing in this season, I would say, is donations. Um, yeah. As we build our campaign to expand and also sustain where we currently are um, and provide for the, the ones that we currently have, what their needs are. COVID, um, while it has been challenging for every, everyone, it definitely hit us hard this year. You can't gather. Right. Um, the boys are on Zoom, Zoom virtual learning yep. <laughs> all the time. Very difficult as you experienced at home, the same with us, but it's just multiplied. So I've become all things, or try to become all things, <laughs> to yep. manage them while at the same time looking out there after their well-being. Uh, but I would encourage people to go to our website. That's endzoneproject.org. That's I-N-Z-O-N-E project.org. Well, I want to commit to obviously be praying. Uh, yeah. You've become a dear friend and yeah. I'm just so challenged by your life. Mm. Um, I believe in this. Mm. I've seen it work. I've got to Thank meet you. with the boys yeah. um, and their heart yeah. for each other, for yeah. you. Um, and just how mm. the community coming around them has, yeah. is changing and transforming how they view the community and how the community views Absolutely. them. Absolutely. It, it is reconciliation. Yeah. And God is using you as a peacemaker. Mm. Um, and and I, I can't wait as a church to, mm. to send some, some of our people out to help teach yard work yeah. and take care of the place, yes. um, to provide meals, to just yeah. be with. One of the things that I think the donating also is going to help is mm. training up other families and leaders Absolutely. to open these homes. Yes. Um, yes. And so there's a big need here. Yeah. Let me let me um, maybe close our time out just by sharing a little bit of a story with you. Mm -hmm. COVID has been difficult yeah. um, in this season. And mm -hmm. one of the ways that it's been difficult for us as a church is mm -hmm. financially. Yeah. For lots of yeah. reasons. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've had families that have moved yeah. that are just significant um, yeah. giving families. Yeah. We've had families... Um, that have lost jobs mm. and just in this time it's really yeah. hard to give yeah we've also had families that have left the yeah. church because for one reason or another uh, maybe they'd like for us to have responded differently or have yeah. stopped giving and as a result mm. we'll end this year mm. at about a hundred and ten thousand dollars short of what we thought the giving would be yeah yeah. That we had projected out based on how people have given hundred and ten thousand yeah. yeah. so as a staff we have said what if God wants to just provide that yeah because Again, a scarcity yeah. mindset says, yeah. uh-oh, we better be careful. An abundance mindset, because he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, Absolutely. says, hey, God's got this. Yeah. Vision dictates 
finances. Finances Absolutely. don't dictate vision. God's yeah. bigger than all of this. And mm. so we've just begun praying as the staff and eldership that God would miraculously provide the 110,000. Yes. That will be the shortfall. Yeah. He's going to do that. But for us, the exercise of faith was to say, let's tithe on what we know he's going to bring. Amen. Let's give 10% of that yeah. and let's bless somebody with that. Mm -hmm. So today, mm -hmm. I have a check right here for $11,000. <laughs> right? Because I believe, we believe as a church in what you're doing. Wow. This, this is reconciliation. This is what we want to be involved in. And so we're tithing to uh, you as a church. Thank you. Um, to your ministry yeah. to say, Terrence, we believe in you. Wow, and you. this is a beginning of our partnership Wow! to say, one, we trust God to supply our needs. And if we're going to ask our church to give in the hard times, then we need to give in the hard times. And we believe in you. Thanks. Wow. Yep. You just completely caught me off. <laughs> it was on purpose. <laughs> oh, I love surprises, one. Ah, but two, I love you. you. And thank I love you. how God is using you. And so anytime I call and ask you to come and share your story, you respond in a moment. Uh, and you're always there, even in this moment. And so I'm going to pray with you. And um, I know that you're believing for a large sum to accomplish the vision. And I just want to tell you that, again, we don't have a stingy or scarcity mindset as God's people. We have an abundance mindset. Wow, thank he you. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And so if God has put this in your heart, he's going to supply the need. And so I'm going to pray for that number that you gave me this week to come fully wow. um, as a part of that. Yeah, you just messed me up like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love you, and I can't wait for the church to hear more of your story and the miracles Thanks. that God oh, is doing. Oh, man, thank you. <laughs> Can I pray for us? Yes, please. <laughs> Lord, just incredibly grateful for Terrence and, and his heart for you. Man, I just see Jesus all over his decisions. And his heart for the people you bring into his life, um, to be obedient to you, but then to champion their hearts. Jesus. I pray for these um, 10 young men um, that you have brought from Chicago out to Barrington, Illinois. I pray for the five that will be added to that and, and the funds that will allow another 10. Um, you are using Terrence and his team to build Christ-like love and character into the hearts of these young men, and I pray that you would spark something in our hearts as a church and a people that would believe that um, there is justice for all. You, and there is reconciliation, not just for us as individuals, but for us as God's people of all races and colors, of yes. all tribes and nations, of all tongues, that we can come together and be an example to this world of Thank what it means Lord. to be Christ followers. Continue to use, bless, protect, allow everything God that he needs to come. Thank you, Lord. Um, even though that may come with a lot of faith and trusting and difficulty and trial, we pray you bring that. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus name. amen. I love you, man. Wow. <laughs> man, I wish each of you could have sat there with Terrence and I as we processed how God is using him, how God is supplying his needs. You want to talk about peace? Man, he loves Jesus and trusts Jesus, and there's a peace about him. But because of that peace in him, he gets to offer that peace to those he's in relationship with. We were talking afterwards as he was discussing this thought around peace that one of the young men that lives at the house was describing that when it came to living where he lived, there just wasn't peace. There was never peace physical peace. There were things always going around. There were gunshots in the street. If, if, you, if you walked out into the street, they were trying to sell him drugs. And coming to this home where Terrence fosters this atmosphere of Jesus and Jesus being at the center and having this home where there is, there is opportunity, he sensed and felt peace, physical peace that was fostered through spiritual peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm so excited about God, how God is partnering us with peacemakers so that we can bring peace to this world. I'd love for you to ask yourself in this time, am I experiencing peace in my relationship with God that Jesus did the work and I just received that? Do I have peace inside or the things of my past that the enemy is using in my present impacting how I see the future? Maybe it's with people in your life that you're just not at peace with and yet God in his love for us, in the midst of all of our stuff, forgives us and gives us this amazing peace 
we can then turn and give that to those who have hurt us. We can offer that to people who fail and don't live up to what we think they can. And as we, as we process that, I want you to know that there is no limit to the amount of peace God wants to give. As we sing this song, just invite that peace to fill your heart.
Wow, what a great morning we've had together here today. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel and social media for all of our current content and to stay connected. We hope you have a great day.